You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. The church of Jesus Christ is bought and paid for and therefore owned by Jesus Christ and no one else. Amen. And God forbid that any one of us take over the church and demand to do things the way men want to do them and trade the power of God for what little crumbs men can muster together. We have churches today, the Bible said that one day that they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the very power thereof. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that the church is bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. The church is stewarded by pastors and others, but they also take leadership from Jesus. When the focus of the church is taken off of Christ, you can start to drift into dangerous territory. When man comes in and tries to run the church his own way instead of the way of God, it's only a matter of time before things start to go awry. Jesus is the one and true leader of the church. His wisdom is beyond human understanding. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew chapter 27 as he begins his message, let's make a deal. Matthew chapter number 27 but as always, it is our priority to mind the Lord. Amen. We'll read verses 24 through 35. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 24. When Pilate saw that he, that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. It's amazing how much people would do and then try to get out of the responsibility for their own actions. Amen. Verse 27, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Remember that phrase, scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and they reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him 
and parted his garments and cast lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. A reference to Psalm chapter 22 and verse 18. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. With God's help, I want to preach a message entitled, Let's Make a Deal. Imagine what level of blindness these soldiers lived under to participate in the crucifixion of the very Lamb of God and to make a mockery of Him and to even cut His garment into pieces to make merchandise of it. To play games at the foot of the cross as if it is a light matter, an average and ordinary other day in the life of those who persecute those who are guilty of crimes, not knowing that he who was guiltless was paying the sin debt for their very sin and their very shame. In ignorance and in blindness, they sat there and they made a mockery of him and uh, they squabbled over his stuff. Amen. They, they were sitting there, uh, some might compare it to a poker game, if you will, gambling over stuff when they should have been looking deeper at who it was that they had put on the cross. And I got to thinking about this, and, and I got to thinking about how many today still part his garments. The Bible said they cast lots for garments, for his garments, but I want to say this about that. They cast lots for the garments of God when they could have had the God of the garment. I want you to think about that for just a minute. You've heard, uh, you know, I'm using the phrase, let's make a deal. Many of you, when I said that phrase, you probably thought about that TV show, let's make a deal. And, uh, and, 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 so, and maybe when you got to thinking about game shows, maybe you thought about the prices right. I don't know. But I can tell you this, they got the price wrong here. Amen. Whenever they got to worrying about how much value they could get out of a piece of garment that came off of this popular, uh, what some called a prophet in his day, uh, they thought maybe this was uh, an opportunity for them to get gain. And, and so they were, they were way beneath what was actually going on. They were thinking on basement level concerning someone who came from the heavens to pay for their sins. And I got to thinking about sometimes how the people take church very nonchalantly. They, they take this thing called salvation uh, just, uh, just, just very lightly and, and, and they, they make much of little and they make little of much. Can I get an amen this morning? And it seems like sometimes we major on the minor and sometimes we minor on the major. And it's as if the devil has tempted us and lured us and enticed us and convinced us into gambling at the foot of the cross while there's much more at stake and there are bigger things to worry about than a piece of garment that comes 
come off of somebody's physical body. Amen. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, sometimes uh, we can make mountains out of molehills. Amen. And sometimes we die on hills that ain't worth dying on. Amen. Uh, uh, there are many a church today uh, that's drying up on the vine and they're dying because somebody in charge wants to have it their way instead of God's way. And, and they are uh, they're making a deal. They are deciding what is worth value to them and what is not. And they're valuing their opinions and their preferences and their way of doing things over the way God intended it to go. Uh, and they are, as it were, casting lots upon the very garments of Christ. Let me tell you something, honey. The church of Jesus Christ is bought and paid for and therefore owned by Jesus Christ and no one else. Amen. And God forbid that any one of us take over the church and this demand to do things the way men want to do them and trade the power of God for what little crumbs men can muster together. We have churches today, the Bible said that one day that they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the the very power thereof. That is, they'll sit and exist and they'll hear the scripture, uh, but they will deny God any access to really let the power of the word effect and change their very lives. Uh, they want just crumbs. Uh, they want just fragments of this religious garment, uh, but they don't really want God to get in their woods. Uh, they don't want God to plow down their road. Uh, they don't want God to interrupt their life and change the trajectory uh, of their focus. Uh, they just want a little dab of religion that'll give them permission to live any way they want to and make themselves feel better about where they're at and they don't realize it but they're gambling at the foot of the cross and playing games that will leave them destitute and desperate before a holy God and it will not help you come judgment day if I were you I would junk my religion if I were you I'd junk my personal preferences and my ideas of what's right and what's wrong and I would take up the Lord Jesus Christ I would take up the word of God and I would quit gambling with his garments and I would start gazing upon the Lord uh, whom they crucified and I would begin to accept him and uh, all of his treasure and in all of his value uh, but many today uh, have forfeited the opportunity to really benefit from what it was that Jesus actually came to do for them amen amen so that's my first point they cast lots for the garments uh, rather than seeking out the God that was in the garments somebody say amen right there number two I want you to know this this. Many want religious trinkets, but they pass on a relationship that transforms their lives. Amen. They really don't want God to, uh, to, to save them too good. Amen. Uh, they want just enough to say that I'm a member of so-and-so church and they, they flash it like a, a membership card. Whenever needed, you'll flash that card. Oh, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian when it's convenient for you and only when it's convenient. God, give us some Christians uh, that are Christians whenever it's good for you and whenever it brings you persecution. Amen. Uh, oh, God don't need no closet Christians. Amen. Uh, God ain't after no part-time help. Uh, either you're all in or you're all out, but quit pretending and quit playing games with God and acting like God's going to smile on you on judgment day when you've rejected everything. You've been nitpicky with his word. That is, you have fragmented the word of God and, and you have 
parted his garments and taken the pieces that you are betting on and leaving the other pieces that you don't want with somebody else. You know how those people are. They'll take certain scripture and, and they'll like to stand on that one verse, judge not lest you be judged. And that's the fragment of his garment that they stand on. But let me remind you that every one of us shall bow both knees to the Lord Jesus Christ and you better take the whole counsel of God. You either get all of them or you won't have any of them. Can I get an amen? Oh, I see here people trying to make a deal with God. I think there was a country song written that was something like, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. You and Jesus don't have nothing going. If either you bow to him or you don't, uh, uh, Jesus ain't going to have no part with you. Amen. Uh, Jesus don't cut deals with people and give partial gospel and partial truth and say, okay, I'll let you have that part of your life. Just let me have this other. Jesus didn't move into your house to possess a closet. He came to take over the household. Mm. Many want religious trinkets. Second Chronicles, I think it is, chapter 36 and verse 18 references the time when all the vessels of the house of God in the Old Testament, both great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. They, they weren't interested in the God that dwelt in the tabernacle, but they sure wanted all the gold. Yeah, they wanted the political advantage and the, they wanted the financial prowess uh, of what those symbols represented from a financial standpoint. Amen. And I want you to notice that when you value the wrong things, you lose the most important things. Amen. Uh, are you taking vessels or are you being a vessel of the Holy Spirit of God? Many come to church and they just pick and choose uh, if and when they'll get involved and, and they're not really looking to get in they're looking to to to, to get out really uh, uh, just participate as little as possible amen and they don't realize that they're playing games at the foot of the cross and they're trying to make a deal with God that God will not accept number three many are satisfied with stuff for the flesh while the soul is suffocating to death that's right. Notice that in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, that Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so as they parted his garment, they cut it into fragments. We've talked about this a little bit. They took the fragments that would make the most money for themselves and left the rest alone. Many today fragment the gospel for gain only. And, and I want to say this, uh, there are too many so-called preachers today in our world. Jesus said there'll be false prophets uh, to rise up among us. Uh, but the Bible says inwardly they are ravening wolves. Uh, they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, they know how to speak a polished sermon. Uh, they know how to make you feel real good on Sunday morning. And the Bible says even in the last days that many will heap to themselves those kinds of teachers having itching ears they they're looking for that kind of speaker and they are 
many that are willing to accommodate their lust for well-spoken and well-polished sermons. Amen. And do you realize that with my talent of delivery, if I so chose to, if God would let me and he won't, but I could have a much bigger gathering than I have right now if I chose to slight my words a little bit. And if I chose to pump you up instead of saying, thus saith the word of the Lord, are you hearing what I'm saying? We could build a much greater congregation, but we would not necessarily be building a church. Amen. It would be more like a social club. Amen. And let me tell you something. The church of the living God is to take orders from headquarters and our commander in chief is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this very second, a church or a so-called prophet or so-called pastor begins to make a deal, amen, with the devil to see how much money he can make with this thing called church and this thing called religion, amen. As soon as they begin to do all of that, they need to strip the name church from off their sign and call it what it is. It's a moose lodge or something else, but it's not the church of the living God. When you reject to let the head of the church take full charge and God help the preacher that one day is going to give an account for leading many astray and they're not really in it to profit you. They're in it to profit themselves, but they speak with such eloquent words that they'll convince you that they're the best thing since sliced bread. But God give us some spiritual discernment today to help begin to identify when we're hearing it right and when we're hearing it wrong. Amen. And you don't need to just congratulate every eloquent speaker that comes through and and looks like they got it all together because guess what? It could be a ravening wolf. It could be somebody just profiteering, being opportunistic with the masses. And God send us some people that are not in the pulpit for a paycheck and for a parsonage, but will be willing to part ways with their financial package if it means standing for truth and if it means declaring the word of God. I'm not for sale and never shall be because I know who bought me and I know who owns me. Amen. And the church ought to feel the same way. And the, one of the reasons we have so many false prophets in our churches today is because many uh, churches are spiritually ignorant as to what's going on. If they would study their Bible. I used to work in a bank as a tailor, believe it or not. Yeah. And what we learned how to do, we learned to identify counterfeits, not by studying counterfeits, but by studying the real document. What makes a bill authentic? You study the authentic components of a dollar bill or a Benjamin or whichever it is, and you will more easily identify the fraud. And here's why, because the frauds can take any number of variations. But when you know the real deal, it's a lot easier to spot a fake. You know why so many are washed about with every wind of doctrine? You know why a lot of people don't want this kind of red hot preaching today? Because they're not familiar with the book. Oh, they say they're a Christian, but they can quote about two and a half verses. They don't even quote them right. Hello. They don't even quote them in context. Eat this book. Amen. Get this book in you. And don't take my words for it. You read this book for yourself. 
And you let the good Holy Ghost lead and guide you. And what will happen is if you hear something fraudulent, you'll be able to immediately identify as a fake and a fraud. And you won't be deceived by those who are profiteering off of people who are naive and ignorant of the Word of God. That's why it's important for you to read your Bible so that you can't be washed about with every wind of doctrine. God help the churches today that just embrace wholeheartedly those who are doing nothing but draining their pocketbooks dry. And, and, and you know, I know this world gives evangelicals a hard time because of the fakes that have done just that, but you can't much blame them, can you? You can't much blame them. You know what we need to do? We need to determine that we're going to be genuine and authentic. And either we're going to do it by the book or we're not going to do it at all. Amen. But we're not going to play games with Calvary. We're not going to try to make a deal with God that's different than the deal he's proposing. Amen. And we need the kind of people that will accept the offer that God has on the table. And I'm fixing to get to that in just a minute. But let me say this. It's amazing how little that we'll settle for when we don't see all of who Jesus is. Don't you know that if those soldiers had really come to terms with who was hanging on the cross, that they would be much more sober-minded? Don't you know that if the Holy Spirit had revealed it to them, what was going on, that they would have distanced themselves from any idea or notion of making mockery or taking advantage of the situation? You know what the problem was? They didn't see Jesus for all of who he was. And so they settled for fragments of his garments. They made a deal that left them destitute and desperate and spiritually dry and hungry. Matthew 27 and verse 36 says, And sitting down, they watched him there. And here's what I want you to take away from that. They watched him, but they were too blind to see him. Is that not the condition of many today who come to church possibly week after week? And they watch, but they can't see a thing. They, the devil has convinced them that their religion is going to get them to heaven. The devil's convinced them they're saved when they don't have any fruit of repentance in their life. The devil's convinced them that they're saved because they've been a member of the church for X amount of years and, and they haven't hardly missed any Sunday school, if any at all, and, and they've measured up their good works against the, their bad and they've convinced themselves that maybe they'll make it in and maybe God will be all right. And after all, I, I, I wasn't only raised in church preacher. I went to church for nine months while I was in my mama's belly. I don't care how long you've been to church. If you ain't been saved by the grace of God, you're going to go to hell without Jesus. It's not church membership. It's not church attendance. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not how much you have done. Listen, if you measure everything that you've done good in life and stack it up for God to observe, God would conclude that your very goodness is nothing but filthy rags in his sight. That which you value so much that you'll stake the eternal destiny of your soul upon is something that God values way differently than you. God sees all men, women, boys, and girls without Christ hopeless and helpless and not even measuring up to any ounce of goodness because of the sin curse that's in us and on us that exudes from us. 
without Christ. And many have struck a deal with the devil. They've struck a deal with themselves. They've struck a deal with the church or they've struck a deal with religion or struck a deal with some false prophet or, or false preacher, uh, uh, amen, or something of, of that nature. And, and they're selling themselves way short and they're going to stand before God. And Jesus said, in that day, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But wait a minute. They just told him all the good they did. That's exactly right. And the very good things they were boasting of were the works of iniquity that he called them out for. What they thought was good did not amount to anything but wickedness because it wasn't covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. Amen. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycuddle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, GaryCottle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCottle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.